Welcome to this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Uh, today, uh, I've got a guest in who I've been really looking forward to because when uh, I'm dealing with small business clients, a lot of the, the frustrations and struggles they have it can be around business efficiency and driving performance of their business and, and how to best utilise technology. And also, they're, they're just their ongoing frustrations with you know the, the IT side of things and, and, and best protecting their business and being aware of, of how they can make sure that they're they're not vulnerable. So I have with me today to, to guide us on these topics, the Director of Inspiration at Inspired Techs, uh, Leon Black. Now, uh, Leon's business is a technology success partner who works with small businesses to, to help them leverage IT success and also making sure that they're protecting their business uh, from the attacks such as phishing and the various security issues. So welcome to the podcast. Leon. Thanks, Warwick. Yeah. Exciting to be here. Yeah, great. So, um, well, let's let's start with uh, what, what, it, what, what it is that small business owners need to be aware of, probably from a, a more traditional sense with, with IT and, and things. So, with security, like, what, what are some of the main issues that are confronting small business owners today? Yeah, so I thought we might touch a bit on some of the recent developments, especially in Australia, around security and protecting your business. Some of you may know that the notifiable data breach legislation came out in February this year. Uh, What that does mean for you is it affects in core businesses that deal with tax file numbers or medical records if you turn over $3 million or more. Uh, Also, they talk about credit agencies. Now, if you look into the definition of that, they state if you have invoice terms of seven days or more, you fall into that category. So it actually affects a lot more small business than what people realize. Right. Okay. So it's not just the the accountants and the doctors out there that need to protect their data, but pretty much anyone that offers accounts. But what what does it mean if you did have a breach? What, What are the obligations? So the big thing to understand here is that they're essentially looking at protecting privacy of your clients and really bringing some legislation around that. The risks of it is if you're negligent about how you're handling that data and you do have a breach, there's a risk of up to $1.8 million in fines for your business. And that could be the end for a lot of small businesses. Yeah, and that, that sounds pretty pretty full on and extreme. Uh, what about, and I guess that's the high end of the fines, but what, what, yeah. what are some of the other obligations of data breaches? So essentially what the government agency is looking for is that you're taking steps to protect data leakage and hacking attempts and really having this breach within your business. Uh, One of the key areas affecting businesses these days is phishing attacks. Some of you may or may know what that means, but you all have most likely received an email from supposedly OzPost or the ATO or Dropbox or similar where it's not actually from them. Uh, There has actually been an increase in the last 18 months of 300% of these types of attacks. So we're seeing 76% of all businesses are experiencing phishing in some form or another. Wow. Uh, And what's what's driving that increase? Really, success rates, people compromising accounts, and the attackers are profiting from this. Okay. That's really their key driving factor. It's how do we extort money? How do we get access to accounts and their clients' information? Right, and and so if one of these quite prevalent uh, attacks happens and we're not protected, like what are the, what are some of the consequences for for a business? 
So with the new data breach legislation, one of the main things is that you have to notify if you have a breach in your business. This could mean that you're notifying your entire database, all of your clients, that you've had a breach and you've lost this information. And that's really damaging to a business's reputation. So it's, it's really about thinking about how we're governing our data, how we're governing our systems across the business, and how do we protect our accounts from getting that compromised yeah. Okay. So, what are the what are the steps that we need to take now? One of the things I and, and you'll, you'll no doubt you're the expert in this area, but the things like dual factor authentications now we, we is pretty much mandatory for all the cloud software that um, we encourage our clients to be on. What other what other things can we yeah, can we take? Definitely. So, just just to step back a step in the phishing side. Email is one of the key areas that these attacks are coming through, but there's also text messages and phone calls that they're taking approaches from. So it's really about being aware of the the avenues that they're trying to attack and how you can prevent about that. So what they're really looking to do is get your password to an account and get access to your account without knowing about it. So they're quite sophisticated these days. What we're seeing with the most successful attacks is typically someone like a solicitor or a real estate agent where they've gotten access to an account and they're monitoring that over a number of months to find the right opportunity. So they're usually using rules so you don't see emails coming into you that are for a settlement and they're conversing with your client from your email account without you knowing. And when it comes time for that settlement, they're giving different bank account details. So all of a sudden there's $200,000 settlement for a property going into a bank account that you don't even know about until the client goes, how come this hasn't settled? And then you're finding out someone's actually had access to your account for a period of time. Right. So people aren't just logging in and taking what's there. They're logging in and being really strategic about going for the, the big feed, not, not just, not just uh, having a little nibble. That's right. Yeah, they're really picking their timing and really getting in there deep. So there's actually been a couple of cases around the Central Coast lately where this exact thing has happened. And the one key thing that could prevent this is multi-factor authentication, as you mentioned before. So most people would be familiar with this with your bank accounts. Pretty much all banks require you to receive an SMS to do a transaction or to log in. So that's that's really, in essence, what multi-factor authentication is. Great. And um, so that, that that's one step. What are some of the other, without getting too uh, techy in, in the response, what are some of the other things that that the small business owners can take or, or get a third-party professional such as yourselves to, to sort of help them solve? One of the key areas to help prevent against this is staff training. The staff are the weak link here and it's passwords that are the weak link. Microsoft did a big study into passwords uh, about 12 months ago and what they found is regularly changing passwords is not a good practice. So I'm sure you've all been part of a business where you've had to change passwords every 90 days or every six months or similar. And the problem is, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with that, when that's the case, someone has a password like Gosford1 with a capital G, and then it comes to change it, and then it's Gosford2. <laughs> and that goes on to Gosford20, and as it goes along, it's simpler and simpler to break that password. So what the best practice is, is not enforcing a long password, because the other issue with long passwords, say you enforce 16 character length is people use something like password password repeated phrases and again it becomes easier to break that password so the best practice these days is multi-factor authentication so it's having a more a password that's complex that you can remember that you keep for longer 
but having that second stage of authentication to really prevent anyone. What this means is if someone gets a hold of your password and tries to log in, you get a notification and you go, that's not me, so you do not use it, and then they can't get in. So it blocks that, and typically you'd change your password at that point. Yep. Okay, so making sure that you've got that staff training so that they're aware of these things and the dual factor on top of that. With regards to the uh, phishing and security, what, you know, you, you mentioned there's been some some uh, funds redirected, if you like, from a property settlements from, from some lawyers or, or something like that. Have you got any other examples or stats on, on, on what can happen to a business if, if people do get the, the keys to the... Yeah, certainly. So there's been a... Worldwide, we're looking at an estimated $9 billion in losses for business in 2018 due to phishing attacks. Uh, breaking that down further, they're looking at an average of about $12,000 of costs minimum for a small business of 10 staff or less uh, affected by a phishing attack. But in a lot of cases, it's resulting in a lot of downtime, a lot of disruption and a big reputation damage to a client. Yeah, so the reputation damage, that's that's well, that could be the end of business for particularly if you're trading on trust yep. um but uh over and above that there there's just the the downtime and half a dozen team members or even one or two team members sitting around completely sitting there like with nothing like not able to function um not only are you paying their wages but they're not generating you income and you're you're not servicing your clients and it can can all go uh, very pear-shaped very quickly that's correct. And, and that's one area we find there's a lot of businesses that don't really look at that part of the downtime is what they're paying their staff and what the lost opportunity cost is of them not being able to work. Yeah. So, you know, if you're not up and up and running, and I'd encourage people to measure that as a percentage, if, you, if you're not at or near 100%, there's a cost, a, a very real cost. Definitely. So. Okay. Well, well, thanks. For, anything else on the, the – we want to move on to the, the – before we move on to the efficiency and how to, how to leverage tech to really drive your business, which I think is some more fun stuff. Yep. Um, any, anything else that you to just finish off on the security side of things? Yeah. Uh, I think just, just a little bit of training off the cuff on that is two of the most common and most successful phishing emails that have been going around are ones pretending to be from Dropbox and from DocuSign. The DocuSigns had the most success in the marketplace of capturing people's information. So if you're receiving an email from Dropbox or DocuSign and you don't know what it is, be really careful about opening that. Okay. Yep. Great advice. All right. Now, one of the things that you talk about, uh, and I know you've talked about with us and some of our clients, uh, is really, you know, not just having the, I guess what many people would view the traditional view of IT, which might be... um, bit of computers and protect us and keep us secure, which is important. But like, how, how do you actually help people get a competitive advantage or how can, a, how can a really good IT provider help people grow their business and be more profitable? Yeah, so typically people look at IT as just a cost to the business. And this is where we're really on a mission to change how people view that and become more of a key strategic area within our clients' businesses. We're at a point in time where if you look at the top 1,000 companies globally, we've moved from the traditional style CEO role and most CEOs now in those top 1,000 companies are very tech-based. 
So we're seeing a shift from their IT departments just being a necessary cost of the business to becoming the key strategic area in the business and giving them the competitive advantage against their competition. Yeah. So have you got some sort of examples of how, uh, and they don't necessarily need to be high tech, um, but they could be, uh, yeah, some examples of how small businesses can benefit from just implementing some changes? Yeah, certainly. So the benefit the big boys have in the marketplace is they've got the resources and they've got the multiple people in their IT departments and they've got that like uh, chief information officer kind of role where they can focus on how can we improve the business through the use of technology and how do we align our technology with our business goals. And that's really where we're bringing those key roles into a small, medium business with our clients and giving those kind of resources. So to talk about a couple really easy examples... Uh, if I'm talking to you as a business owner and I said, what if I told you that for $400 for each of your staff member, I could increase their productivity on average 20 to 30% ongoing? Say, so take my money, sign up, do it, whatever it is. So 100%. How do you do that? So, And that's a really simple one is a second monitor. A lot of businesses only have a single monitor, uh, especially really office-based stuff. And the studies show dual monitors helps with staff productivity between 20 to 30% increase. Yeah, and for anyone who is out there, I've been on dual monitors now for probably a decade um, and, and now I've actually gone to a third monitor. It is almost impossible doing office-based work if on one screen I find now it just really, it sucks. So yeah. it is just so much quicker, more efficient. Um, that one there, if you haven't done it, that's a, that's a quick win. So I'd encourage everyone out there to do it. Just trust me on it. I didn't think it would work, but once you once it's one of those things. Once you have it, you'll never ever go back. So okay, so that's a and a very basic quick win, really basic one, and that's also a great example of having a more strategic conversation with a business owner. Whereas typically you'd see an IT come in and they're like, "Oh, you should spend four hundred dollars and get this other monitor," and they're like, "Well, why do I want to spend four hundred dollars?" And that's the conversation. But taking that more business owner to business owner strategic approach, it's what is the benefit for your business. And does this make a cost-effective approach to take? Yeah. Is there a return on investment? Correct. Okay. Any any other, um, you know, for the small, you know, and this is a small business podcast, so yeah. what other things are, should small businesses consider for some quick wins? The other key area that we see over and over again is old, slow computers within a business. So a lot of business owners look at, oh, I've got to spend $2,000 to replace an old computer. I don't want to spend that. But the real effects of that is how is it affecting your business? How is it affecting your staff? Uh, I've been into businesses where this was a, a lawyer firm. So you've got lawyers billing out at 300 to $500 an hour. And one's been in tears because she can't get her work done because the computers are so slow. So that's a really high lost opportunity cost when you're billing out at those kind of rates. So spending $2,000 on a computer is a really quick win to get a return on your investment there. Oh, yeah, and look, and the, the lawyers are perhaps the, uh, a perfect example, um, high charge-out rates, and if, you, if you're just not, uh, if you're costing yourself half an hour of productivity a day because you, you're like the bloke in the castle that's hitting his printer machine and just kicking it, you know, like it, it's, um, it's just frustrating, right? And, and I guess to add to that, so there's, there's a lost chargeable time, um, but the other cost... And, and I have been, as it went, you know, many moons ago when I was an employee, um, uh, the recipient of this exact same situation, it just sucks the life out of the team. Mm. The morale goes down because, 
you know, one of one of the I guess the principles I I work by is if you've got a team, give them the tools to do the job, and if they don't have the tools to do the work, well, give them the you know make sure that they know to come and tell tell it and, and get them the tools because it's just unfair otherwise, and it just it is so disheartening and and that. You know, that, I guess that's the the hard part to measure. What lost productivity you're getting just because someone's just like, oh my god, I cannot face this desk again and this um, nightmare, knowing that there's a simple solution out there. So yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, and and talking about that, like we can do the figures on what the research shows of, of what that actually costs having slow computer. Which if you look at an average salary of sixty thousand dollars, they're the research shows you're losing roughly 5.5 days a year in your staff's time just from that slow computer. And if you add in the lost opportunity cost of the work that they could be achieving in that time, you're looking at almost $6,000 a year that you're losing by not spending $2,000 on a new computer. Yeah, so it's just a, a no-brainer. Yeah. Give people the tools to do their work efficiently and and constantly uh, review that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we probably brings me to the point like so how how do we know i guess you people don't know what they don't know how or what's a good symptom that you would see of someone that that might need uh to have a a, a review of their their it department if you like yeah uh, a common thing you would hear people say is oh i'd go to do something on my computer and i may as well go and make a cup of coffee while i wait that's a perfect trigger for going, you should have a look at what your computers are doing. Right. So if you go through your P&L and uh, staff amenities for tea and coffee are up, <laughs> um, you, you need to make a saving there and put into your, invest in your IT. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and obviously that affects your, the flow, you know, yeah. the flow of your work also from an efficiency basis. If, if you've got to stop and start, I know in our business, you can take an hour to do a job uninterrupted or if you have only 10 minute blocks it might take you nine 10 minute blocks because you've always got to get your head back into it so you know there's a 50 percent loss of productivity if it's taking you 90 minutes uh rather than rather than uh 60 um yeah and ideally as a as a business owner you don't need to be thinking about what's old what do i need to replace if you have a good key strategic it partner that's providing a good managed service and looking at your strategy and planning, you're going to know what you need to replace in the next 12 months, what's coming up in the next three years. So you can start building out that budget and being prepared for it rather than just all of a sudden going, oh, I've got to spend all of this money because everything's dying. Doing things in a planned fashion yeah. rather than a reactive fashion um, also means that you, you know you can cash flow it, uh, which for all of us small business owners is, is, is critical. So. Uh, so, and again, so if you were a small business owner, what would be some of the questions you would be asking? If you were interviewing three IT, you know, there's there's lots of sort of part people out there that are looking to partner with people yep. uh, from an IT or, um, you know, and if I'm a, you know, small business owner, accountant, plumber, lawyer, doesn't really matter, and I've got a team that I've got to keep up and running, what is, how do I know, who, who should I use? Yeah, it, it comes down in part to what's important to your business. For example, our best client partners are the ones that are looking to improve their business, looking to grow their business and really want to leverage their technology to give them that competitive advantage. So if that's what you want to do and move forward, you're really looking for an IT partner 
that's telling you we're going to be doing strategy and planning meetings, that they're delivering on this, they're really creating a plan for how you can move forward and looking at your business process. Uh, there's a lot of managed providers out there that just provide that more managed side. So they're fixing things that break, they're doing the proactive monitoring and checking that you've got antivirus. That's kind of the, the everything, everyone thing in the market these days. So where we really differentiate ourselves is around this strategy and planning. It's becoming that strategic edge and helping you use technology as your key edge against your competition. Yep. Okay. Right. Now, this is the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast, Leon. So what in your, you know, to, to really nail it for, what do you think is the key things that a small business owner needs to, to really nail with respect to their IT and technology um, systems? Key things are that you're continually looking at how you can improve things and you're also aligning your technology with your business goals. For example, one thing we typically ask our clients is what are your business goals for the next 12 months, three years, five years? Because if you're going in 12 months, I'm planning to double my business and your IT doesn't know about that, that could be a very different IT plan going forward because the last thing you want is 12 months you've doubled your business and IT's just stayed at the same level and all of a sudden your systems aren't working for your capacity, you're not very efficient and you're just losing time and money because the systems aren't keeping up to it. Let's learn a bit. bit, bit. Now you obviously, aside from helping hundreds of small businesses to, to, to grow, you've got your own small business as well um, and which it, it does some really cool stuff and, and tell us a bit about, you know, why do you do what you do? The key reason I started Inspired Techs was I, I worked for a number of different IT providers where it was really just reactive support. Our clients had something break, and that's how they made a living. So something would break, and then we go out and fix it. Something would break, we go out and fix it. And that didn't gel well with me. So I went out with the whole model around how do we prevent things from breaking, and then everybody's more profitable and more happy. And... So why I do what I do is I have a passion around business efficiency and one of the key parts of my role is that strategic relationship with business owners. So I love being part of their team and part of their journey as they grow and improve their business process. Great, love it. And and I guess, and this probably links back to the, the former topic around efficiency, but um, you guys do some really cool cool stuff that we have, as a customer have been a recipient and I've also seen you do with some of our, our clients, but... Um, can just talk about uh, how you can use some of the, the tools that you do use to automate important tasks so they're done um, in the same fashion and and automated. Like, for example, when you win a client, that, that, that mm -hmm. sort of really had the wow factor. So onboarding. Yeah. So you've probably heard the saying, consistency is key. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much a fan of that. At Inspired Text, we're really working on creating consistent, repeatable results so you know what to expect from us. Uh, and business process is a perfect example. You want to have a repeatable, consistent result and utilize your IT systems to automate that or keep that con as consistent as possible. Let's, let's talk a little bit about you. One of the, I guess, aside from um, really knowing your stuff, but one of the things uh, about you is you, what do you get up to on the weekends? So my passion and my escape is skydiving. Wow. Okay. So how many jumps? 530 now. 530. Now that, that's 
sounds extreme. <laughs> <laughs> Again, let, let, let's talk about what got you into it. Uh, well, when I was 14, my mother, father, and sister went for a tandem skydive, and I was too young to go at the time. So I always wanted to do it since then, and it was promised for my 18th birthday. And I did it when I was 18 and fell in love. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, again, this is the, the Get to the Contest uh, podcast. I'd imagine there are certain things with regard to skydiving which are absolutely non-negotiable. So talk us through that. Yeah, I guess that's where really what your process is comes into place as well. There's There's checks that you want to do. For example, packing your parachute, there's a certain method that you want to follow. And if you're doing something really wrong, that can lead to a major malfunction. And you don't want to be having to pull your reserve chute because of something that you stuffed up by doing wrong. So that, that kind of ties back to the consistency and how you're doing things and following a repeatable process. I'm happy to take your word for it. I don't <laughs> think I'll be, I'll be experimenting with my own parachuting packing skills. Uh, so, okay. And you... You mentioned in the past some some records. Is there, is there any records that you're chasing uh, or holding? So I actually hold three different Australian skydive records. Uh, one was we did the largest Australian formation in 2015, which was 119 people, which we did over in the US, and we're actually trying to break next year and make that 150 people, which will be very exciting. Wow. Uh, and Are they all jumping out of the same plane or you have multiple planes no, you so can't that, get... that was out of seven different planes and that was an incredible experience there's a lot of planning and a lot of logistics to make that come together and we actually achieved it on the last jump on the last day the last possible chance we had to make it is when we got it oh pressure makes diamonds so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh great oh it sounds like a lot of fun um now any any tips uh, that you've received uh, in life or uh, in, around financial or business decisions so that mentors might have passed on to you? What, what do you find really important? I'd say one key piece of advice, especially in business, is done is better than perfect. So many people don't release something or don't get to market because they're trying to make something perfect. But the reality is if you get it out there and you get momentum – you're making a lot more progress than keeping it behind closed doors until you perceive it as perfect and it might be too late. Yeah, so just get it out there and and, and refine it. Yeah. Um, mentor of mine, Rob Nixon, he talks a little bit about building the plane as you fly it, you know, so just <laughs> yeah. get out there and, 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 you know, the market will tell you if you've got it right or wrong and you can, you can always tweak it um, because the timing is never perfect and the product is never perfect. Yeah, um, and well, so, one of the one of the sayings I like is, uh, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've waited too long. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So um, now, this is a question I ask a, a, a lot. Uh, now, I'm really looking to do your answer. What bit of tech can't you live without? And if you say your phone, if you can be a bit more specific around that, because. No, no, I'm, I'm not typically glued to my phone, but I will say my Microsoft Surface Book, which is my day-to-day -day computer, it's my everything, uh, it is definitely one of the best devices I've ever owned. It's 
100% worth spending the extra money looking at a Surface Book rather than just a typical laptop. And it's it's really key to the operation of my business, the operation of my personal life, and being able to keep notes and and just take that everywhere okay. with me. So, just on that, what why why do you why is that different to say your I don't know your standard HP or other type of laptop? Yeah, it's just a really well put together product. It's nice and light. I can detach it and use it as a tablet. It's really good quality and it's got a really long battery life. And it's just, it's it's hard to explain. It's more more the feel I get from using it over a traditional kind of laptop. It's just, it's just the next level. Yeah, great. Now, awesome. Okay, what book or movie has influenced you? Yeah. Uh, a key book that's really influenced my life, both person, personally and in business, is Traction. So this is all around the EOS system, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it's really a good book, especially as a business owner, because it's not just talking about theories or potential ways to do it, but it's giving you a real specific operating system on how to run your business so it's focused all around working on your business rather than in it and it gives you the strategies and the actual agendas for say weekly meetings and quarterly meetings to get that business planning happening and really achieving the different things that you're trying to achieve great uh i've not heard of traction i sounds similar to the Vern hardy and the rockefeller habits but yeah all right well i'll be sure to uh check that out and might be my next audible purchase uh, when yep. next next month's credit comes in. Every business owner should read it. Right. Um, all right. Well, Leon, what what does what does the future look like for? You know, you talk about uh, inspired techs and how you work with with clients about their plans. So, what what do you think your your business is going to look like, and and how how's it going to change in say five years time? Yeah. So. We've got some relatively ambitious goals and five years time, we're currently a Central Coast based business with uh, a handful of work within Sydney. Within five years time, we plan to be at least in a couple of states in Australia, uh, really just refining our process and efficiency and providing the great customer service and great results we do to our customers at a broader scale. Yeah, awesome. Well... Thanks so much for, for giving your time here. There's some great tips uh, around the security and, and uh, phishing and, and also, importantly, how to grow your business via, you know, leveraging tech um, or, or some other very, you know, simple but very powerful solutions like the dual monitors. So, Leon, uh, how can people find you if they, they want to have a chat? Uh, please send me an email, leon at inspiredtechs.com.au. Would love to hear from you. Happy to have a chat to anyone. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook. You can look at our company page, facebook.com slash inspired techs. Yep. Okay. Awesome. And I'm sure the old Google Leon Black inspired techs, they'll find you. 100%. Great. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was great to be on here. Well, that was my chat with Leon Black talking about all things IT and how to use IT not just to protect your business but to, to deliver a competitive advantage for your business. So, look, a few of the takeaways that I got from, from, from the chat. Now, Leon talked about, uh, you know, to staff training, so making sure the team are aware to be aware of these things the, the, and the phishing and the, the scammers and those sorts of things, making sure that they're using uh, steps like dual-factor authentication is, is absolutely critical. Uh, 
uh, particularly in a cloud-based cloud world, uh, the, the dual factor is just best practice you've got to be doing. Um, secondly, Leon talked about uh, data breach legislation, which kicked in, I think, in February of 2018 for uh, Australian small businesses. It is absolutely uh, critical to protect your business regardless, but uh, if you're trading in a business that leverages trust, you will lose the trust of your entire business uh, if you're required by law to go and report any breaches. So uh, go and take these steps to protect your business sooner uh, than wait for the consequences because damage to your business and brand, it, it could be game over. Uh, which leads me to, you know, IT uh, is an investment and it's not a, it's not a cost. So, you know, find, find a partner that will work uh, with you strategically that will understand your business and will align the technology with your business goals and understands where you want to be and and can clearly be, you know, demonstrating that they, they can actually help you plan the steps to, to grow your business and, and allocate the resources there and map that out uh, so that you're not having slow computers or vulnerable attacks or these sorts of things because downtime is just money. That, that's it. Lost time. You've got more than one or two people standing around. It's, it's in the tens of thousands of dollars in lost opportunity and wages, um, even if it's only for a small period. It's, it's let alone the, the, the morale, which we talked about. Um, now, Leon also talked a, 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 on done is better than perfect. So obviously we've got to have a certain level of quality out there, but many people just wait for the right time and the right time is never there or the product is never perfect. So get out there, just take it to market. You know, I, I guess, you know, even even Apple, you know, they, they had the, at one point they had the, the first iPhone. Then, you know, then iPhone 3, iPhone 4, iPhone 10 or whatever up to now. They're constantly improving it. If they'd waited for it to be absolutely perfect, uh, they mightn't have ever released anything and, and, you know, it would be a decade behind where they were. So the market will actually help you refine what you need uh, and again uh, another uh, mentor of mine once said to me he said Warwick a lot of businesses spend all their time loading bullets but never actually firing a shot so get out there and fire a shot um, and, and see what happens and finally Leon mentioned consistency is key so not only is that important for your clients because you said that they've got to have certain expectations and if, if you can deliver consistency they will know what to expect and they won't be disappointed because they're constantly receiving what they're expecting. Um, but also from the business, if, if you've got a consistent approach that's uh, it's able to be replicated or ideally automated, but certainly should be documented and those processes are documented, then you can deliver consistent um, uh, output and also you can uh, scale your business where it's not all just uh, stuck by one person delivering it because if you've got documented processes or automated processes uh, one person leaves another person can slot right in pick up the procedures and with nominal amounts of training uh, can, can pick up with nominal disruption so that's really valuable for a small business so there you have it there's, there's just some t key takeaways from the, the chat with, with Leona about how a technology success partner uh, can help you to protect and grow your business so I uh, hope you enjoyed the, the chat and we look forward to you joining us for the next episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Bye for now.